North Atlantic right whales were named for being the right whale to hunt. They were often found near shore, swam slowly, and tended to float when killed. They were aggressively hunted and their population dropped from peak estimates of roughly 21,000 to perhaps fewer than 100, yes, 100 by the 1920s. After whaling of North Atlantic right whales was banned in 1935, their population increased to approximately 500 individuals by 2010. Unfortunately, that progress has reversed and the right whale population is dwindling again. Today, you and I are going to learn about this, about one agency's research to protect the North Atlantic right whale and what we can do to help save the species. This is the Women Offshore podcast. I'm your host, Ali Cedeno, a mariner and founder of Women Offshore. Women Offshore is a 501c3 nonprofit organization supporting a diverse workforce on the water. Thank you for listening to the Women Offshore podcast. This is a part of the oil and gas global network known as OGGN, where you can find the great energy podcasts that are out there. There's a link in the show notes. Go have a listen to what's playing at OGGN to be in the know regarding energy issues and hot topics. I'm just stunned. I mean, can you believe that at one point in time, there were 21,000 or so North Atlantic right whales. And today, there are only about 360. Oceana, founded in 2001, is the largest international advocacy organization focused solely on ocean conservation. They released a new report this summer finding that most vessels are exceeding speed limits in areas designed to protect the critically endangered North Atlantic right whales. In their study, Oceana analyzed vessel speeds from 2017 to 2020 in speed zones established by the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, which we all refer to as NOAA, along the U.S. Atlantic coast and found noncompliance was as high as almost 90% in mandatory speed zones. And non-cooperation was as high as almost 85% in voluntary areas. This is just shocking. I didn't think it was this bad. I grew up on the water, and speed zones were something I was taught, even at a young age. As a maritime community, it's so important that we acknowledge the data coming out of this report, because ship strikes is one of the leading causes of death for right whales. Here with us is Brianna Fenty, Protected Species Campaign Fellow at Oceana, where she provides support to campaigns focused on banning shark finning, advocating for North Atlantic right whales protection, and deterring irresponsible fishing practices. She's here to talk about Oceana's study and what we can all do to assist in saving the North Atlantic right whales. Welcome, Brianna, to the Women Offshore podcast. Thank you for being here. Thanks so much, Allie. I'm thrilled to be here. Yeah, I'm glad you are here. This is such an important topic. There are only around 360 North Atlantic right whales remaining. Tell us more about the threat of ship strikes to the species. 
Absolutely. So the two leading causes of their injury and death are fishing entanglements and collisions with ships. There are a slew of factors contributing to the number and severity of collisions. For example, this whale is a slow swimmer, swimming at a whopping six miles per hour and usually doing so very close to the water's surface. On top of that, they have a dark coloration and no dorsal fin, which makes it difficult to spot them, whether that's from a middle-class yacht or from the bridge of a row-row ship. As proven by a number of studies, the speed at which a vessel sails is a major factor in whale vessel collisions with North Atlantic right whales. If a ship is, say, transiting at high speeds, that ship can't properly maneuver to avoid a whale, and that's even if they're spotted, and the whales are too slow to do the maneuvering themselves. When a North Atlantic right whale is struck with a ship of any size, going at nearly any speed, they're subject to typically deadly injuries from blunt force trauma and propeller cuts. Even one human-caused death per year is unsustainable when it comes to this whale survival, and it's up to us all to be their advocates and make sure this species does not go extinct. Yeah, with just 360 left, just losing one or, or two is, is devastating. Absolutely. So when you all set out to put this analysis together, what was the purpose and what did Oceana find? So the purpose of Oceana's vessel speed report was to examine ship speeds in areas along the East Coast designed to protect this critically endangered species over a period of four years. As a result, we found that, well, too many vessels are failing to slow down according to the 10-knot speed rule in both mandatory and voluntary speed compliance zones where this whale is found. At the very best, only approximately half of vessels cooperated with voluntary speed limits, while at worst, nearly 85% of ships didn't. As for the mandatory speed limits, the worst offender was the Wilmington, North Carolina to Brunswick, Georgia area, which is a very critical calving ground for the species, with almost 90% noncompliance. Interestingly and perhaps unsurprisingly, two-thirds of the vessels in violation of speed limits operated under foreign flags, with the least compliant flag states being Panama, Marshall Islands, Liberia, Germany, and Singapore, in addition, that is, to the United States itself. Oceana also found that cargo vessels were the least compliant type of vessel. Yeah, a lot of good data there. What's the difference between the two speed zones? Can you go into that and clarify what that means? There are two types of speed zones. First, there's the Seasonal Management Area, or SMA. These are areas inside which the 10-knot speed limit is absolutely mandatory for vessels covered under the speed rule. SMAs extend over areas where whales are naturally and consistently expected to be, and there are currently five SMAs up and down the East Coast protecting calving and nursery grounds, feeding grounds, and known migration routes. In contrast, the dynamic management areas, or DMAs, are activated temporarily when whales are observed in an area. For as long as they last, which is about 15 days unless whales are spotted again, in which case the DMA is extended, the 10-knot speed limit is voluntary for vessels transiting its coverage area. Yeah, that's good to know, especially as a, a mariner and yeah, definitely. You know, as a student, being a navigator on the bridge as a cadet and, and learning, you know, what's right and what's wrong, what are you supposed to do, what are your duties when you're going to be that a third mate coming out of school. So thank you for sharing all that. 
earlier you were talking about how any hit of any size can really make an impact on on the health of these whales and possibly kill them. And so can you go into that more about vessel size and speed? What's the size limit for vessels and speed restrictions, putting whales at risk? Can you elaborate on that? And what vessels are exempt from the speed restrictions? Sure. So it's possible for a vessel of any size or class to injure, mortally wound, or kill a North Atlantic right whale, unfortunately. For example, back in February of this year, a 54-foot recreational fishing boat hit a calf while sailing at 21 knots, more than double the speed limit put in place by the vessel's speed rule. After the boat itself suffered critical damage and sank itself, the calf was unfortunately found dead off Anastasia State Park in Florida. As it stands, only vessels 65 feet and larger are subject to the speed rule. O'Shanna is advocating for the rule to apply to vessels smaller than 65 feet. Following Canada's recent expansion of its 10-knot speed zone in the Gulf of St. Lawrence to include vessels 42 feet and larger, O'Shanna believes the U.S. should at least match this Canadian standard. Now, in addition to vessels smaller than 65 feet, all federal vessels are also exempt from the vessel speed rule. So this is law enforcement vessels, military vessels, and such like. Because these two types of vessels put North Atlantic right whales at risk of death and catastrophic injury, Oceana is working to retailer the exemptions put in place by the current vessel speed rule. Namely, we believe a blanket exemption for federal vessels puts the species at a necessarily higher risk of collision. And as such, the exemption should only apply to federal vessels engaged in true emergency activities like national defense, rescue, law enforcement activities, and so on. So besides the exemptions, what else is wrong with the current vessel speed rule? Anything else? Yeah, so the vessel speed rule as it stands was established in 2008 and hasn't been updated since its implementation. In its current and, frankly, outdated form, it's clear that the current regulations simply aren't working. In order to make the vessel speed rule effective enough to prevent the North Atlantic right whale from going functionally extinct, the vessel speed rule needs to be updated to reflect and keep up with changing ocean dynamics and North Atlantic right whale behavior. In recent years, these whales have added new areas along the East Coast as year-round core feeding habitats areas neither considered nor included in the original regulations. So these need to be updated immediately. Yeah, thanks so much for educating us on this. What else can be done to better protect the species from ship strikes? Yeah, so essentially an overhaul of the vessel speed rule really is necessary to protect the species from collisions. The fact that it's chronically out of date isn't its only problem. In addition to modifying existing protections to accommodate the whale's current geographic range, the speed rule itself needs to be better enforced too, and exemptions for smaller and federal vessels need to be re-examined and reworked, as I mentioned. The 10-knot speed rule as it currently stands, it's akin to imposing speed limits on semi-trucks to protect pedestrians while allowing just as deadly cars and SUVs to go as fast as they like. Yeah, that's a great, great analogy. Thank you so much, Brianna. How can people get involved? How can they support Oceana and everything you're doing? 
So we're thrilled to have had the opportunity to reach out to the current and future generations of mariners because, you know, as vital stakeholders in this issue, your voices ring really loud. So for those interested in getting involved in the cause, I encourage you to visit Oceana's website, a very easy and quick to type oceana.org and take a look at our initiatives. We currently have a petition up and running, imploring the government to update and enforce the vessel speed rule, which any and all can sign, and will be delivered to lawmakers. We also encourage folks to find us over on Twitter and Instagram, where we consistently post shareable, digestible information on this issue. And additionally, for those who'd like to engage further, you can sign up for Oceana's email list on our website, You'll receive weekly updates and action alerts from Oceana and be able to take action by adding your voice to more petitions, to federal comments and letters to lawmakers, and be counted among one of many valued Oceana supporters. Perfect. Thank you so much. We will put some links to your website and initiatives in the show notes. Thank you, Brianna, for educating us on what's happening to the North Atlantic right whale. Appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to the Women Offshore podcast. What did you think of the show? Leave a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. Additionally, if you want to propel Women Offshore forward, please visit womenoffshore.org or womenoffshore.shop. Make a donation or purchase some swag. Until next time, stay safe out there and I'll talk to you soon.